0: We are parents, we are doctors, we are first responders, teachers, and concerned citizens who have found ourselves at a crossroads. We see our freedoms being stripped away and we can no longer stay silent. We are millions strong, united in a thundering voice and imperative mission that cannot and will not be ignored. We are standing up for the basic human right to raise our own children, earn a living, and make our own medical decisions without the tyrannical overreach that has been forced upon us here in California, across the country, and around the world. We are here to amplify the voices, moving the needle, bringing forth truth, and provide education and resources with tangible tools and expert insights. We are the Unity Project, and this is our podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by the Freedom Gateway from Foundations of Freedom. The Freedom Gateway is a truly secure and private platform for collaboration and communication. It's uncancelable, While bringing together mission-driven organizations, freedom-loving individuals, activists, and engaged citizens across the globe. Here at the Unity Project, we use the Freedom Gateway to escape big tech censorship, leverage secure communications, and document sharing, and so much more. To learn more about the Freedom Gateway and its myriad of safe and secure features to connect, go to theunityproject.org slash FOF. I think we've got a couple of people on. Um, I see that there's two people from Gays Against Groomers. And I'm sorry, tell me who you guys are because I can't tell based on
1: This is Jamie, uh, Jamie Michelle, the founder
0: and president of Humors. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for joining. I was told that you were going to try to jump on, and it's um, an absolute honor and uh, pleasure to meet you. I think we crossed paths at America Fest, and I'm just thrilled with the work that you guys are doing.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to be here. uh, I believe you interviewed um, Frank Rodriguez, our executive director um, at AMF. And yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I'll stay where I can. Okay, great. Um, I know Gag Washington is in here as the co-host. Uh, that's Alex, our Washington chapter leader. And then Michael just popped in. He's our editor-in-chief. Oh, Mario's in here, director of chapters.
0: <laughs> so, um Fantastic. Yeah, uh, we did. We interviewed Frank. He actually came into our podcast studio and did it in person long format, which was amazing. You have an incredible team.
1: Yeah, we have we have a lot of good people in the team.
0: Yeah, no, we're we we
1: have we have a great team. um, And we're we're growing all the time. So it's
0: it's it's great. And thank you for having us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we follow a lot of the work that you guys are doing. It's so it's so incredibly important right now, and I'm excited for this conversation. Uh, we might, and I'm pretty sure we're going to have someone from Moms for Liberty as well jumping on. Uh, and I know this is a topic that they're really passionate about, so it should be a fun conversation. Um, I know we're waiting for folks to trickle in, but you know what? Why don't we just go ahead and start? Because I know that you have um, it sounds like Jamie you might have a limited amount of time so why don't we just start and those as as people come in we will just list them as speakers. Okay that sounds
1: good. I'm going to share I'm going to share the space right now. How do I do Excellent. that? Excellent. <laughs> I don't I still don't really know how to do this. I know oh, I'm, I'm learning
0: gonna... too. <laughs> Here I'm gonna quote. You. All right sounds good. Well For those of you that are on, thank you for joining. I expect that this, we will start having people trickle in. um, And as I see people that are requesting, I'll go ahead and add them as uh, speakers. But for those of you that don't know me, my name is Laura Sextro. I'm the CEO of the Unity Project. We are an organization that was founded pretty myopically focused uh, to fight the vaccine mandates. And we've since grown and we're focusing on uh, the uh, everything that falls under the umbrella of parental rights and medical freedom and obviously this is a really big topic that's squarely in the middle of parental rights as we talk about um, what's happening with the radical gender ideology specific as it, you know as it specifically relates to um, the pediatric population and I define pediatric as anyone under the age of 18. Um, but specifically, I mean, we, you know, and I'd like to focus a lot tonight or as we go through this on the K through 12, excuse me, K through fifth grade population. Uh, because I know we're seeing a lot, a lot happening there. Um, I know I've personally seen, uh, some content that's incredibly disturbing that's coming home, uh, from my children's school. And, uh, we had the opportunity. So if, if, for those of you who haven't heard of it, uh, go to the WhatsApp podcast. We did uh, an interview with Frank and he was, it's probably one of my favorite interviews that we've done thus far. And Jamie, I, I want to give you an, an opportunity in just a moment to introduce yourself. Um, but I will tell you that I can, I constantly quote Frank because he said something that was just incredibly powerful um, and, poignant, I thought, as it relates to the gay pride flag. And I think his comment was something to the effect of, you know, if if any teacher in an elementary school that has a gay pride flag should not only be fired, but they should be arrested. And he discussed why, and it had to do with the fact, simply to do with the fact, excuse me, that uh, there's really no way to explain what that flag means unless you're talking about sex. And, um, there's just no place for that in an elementary school. And I just thought that was such a powerful uh, perspective. And so I, I quote him quite often. So Jamie, I'm going to turn it over to you. I'd love for you to, to introduce yourself. And then I'd love for the folks on your team to introduce themselves. And then let's let's dive into this conversation.
1: Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, I'm Jamie Michelle. I'm the founder and president of Gays Against Groomers. Uh, we're an organization completely com- uh, comprised of gay, uh, bisexual, lesbian, and, and some trans people uh, that are fighting grooming, of the grooming of our children being done in our name coming from our community. Um, that includes the sexualization, the indoctrination, and the medicalization of children, um, you know, being done in the name of pride. <laughs> Uh, which it most certainly is not. You know, we didn't consent to this being done in our name, and uh, you know, I, I fully believe that it's going to take those of us from in the community to actually have the best chance at stopping all of it. Because um, you know, we see ourselves as as parents' greatest allies. Uh, because when when straight people um, try and try and oppose it and, and voice their opposition to it, uh, they're instantly written off as hateful bigots, transphobic, homophobic, all the phobics. Uh, and that's not true, but that's all they really have. They don't have the truth. They don't have science. All they have is intimidation and, and, um, censorship really. So, you know, they, they've been trying to label us anti LGBTQ, which it doesn't quite stick as much as it does to you guys, because, uh, everybody can see that we are gay and you know we have trans people in the organization too so it's very silly that they try and do that but that just goes to show that that's literally the only tactic they have um so you know gays against groomers uh we're we're fighting it every day um we we have i believe 16 chapters now uh and and those are growing we're we're launching more all the time and um Yeah, I I just really appreciate the work you're doing and I love the name, um, you know, (laughs) the Unity Project because that is what this is. You know, uh, people, far right, you know, Christians, Bible Belt Christians, we get messages from them every day thanking them and uh, thanking us and telling us that they stand with us, even if they don't necessarily agree with the quote unquote lifestyle, as many people call it. Um, You know, we don't agree that it's a lifestyle, but what I'm trying to say is, this is the most uniting cause on earth protecting children's innocence and it's safeguarding them from harm, uh, which is what this agenda is, is doing. So, um, yeah, I, that's, that's pretty much my spiel. <laughs> uh, I'll let Alex and then Mario and Michael, you can, you can call on, on them to uh, say hello and introduce themselves. Sounds great. Alex, you want to talk?
2: Hey, uh, hey everybody, this is uh, my name is Alex Kustowski, and I'm the Washington State Chapter lead for Gays Against Groomers. Uh, I think Jamie said all there was to say about our organization, um, but uh, we're fighting the fight here in Washington, and I'm happy to be here.
3: So hi, everybody. I'm Mario Presents. Mario, want to go? Yes. Yeah. Um, So... Hi everybody, my name is Mario. Presents. I am the director of chapters. Um, I'm a grassroots Mario organizer. Mario, are you
4: there? <laughs> I'm yeah, here. You know
0: what, uh, Jamie? Can you can you hear me, Jamie? <laughs> yes, I can hear you. So, shows... so we've had we've had this before. It's the strangest thing. Um, okay. So Mar- he, Mario's speaking, but you can't hear him. And I've had this happen where we've had one person can't hear another person. So I'll just. Oh, moderate. that's weird. So, yeah, I know. Okay, it's strange, yeah, right.
3: So Mario, you go is,
1: ahead and moderate. Yep. Go for it, Mario. All right.
3: So hi, um, my name is Mario Presents. I'm the director of chapters. Um, I'm a grassroots organizer. I've been on the ground for about a decade. It's weird to say that now. Um, organizing just in generally freedom, freedom of expression. Um, I started out as an online creator, and then I became a boots on the ground type of a person going to rallies, um, most notably before joining Gays Against Rumors, um, kind of in line with medical freedom. Um, I passed a law in my local community. It's an ordinance that protects people from being forced to vaccinate as a condition of employment. My city will actually remove your business license if your business decides to do that. It's the first wow. of its kind of, of its nation in the nation, um, and I took that win. And I said, let's keep it going. And Jamie tapped me and said, hey, what can you offer gays against groomers? And I said, well, let's start making teams on the ground so that they can start appearing at school board meetings, at city council meetings, because this is where the work is actually getting done. Um, You know, it's great to have an online presence, but I wanted boots on the ground. And that's really what I've started um, as the director of chapters, is getting those boots like Alex on the ground. Um, because I know I can't be ap- appearing in Washington and Nebraska and Wyoming and all these other states that are going to be doing it. And a limited number of people couldn't could never accomplish this. So we needed as many people on the ground. And that was the function of creating these chapters.
0: That is fantastic. I love that. And I couldn't agree more. I think that You know, oftentimes we are so focused at a national level or even at like a gubernatorial level at the state. And the reality is that what truly impacts us individually is obviously our local level government. So I love the work that you have been doing. And again, I'm just I'm really thrilled with with the work that Gaze Against Groomers overall is doing. I think it's so incredibly important. And welcome, Jan Jekielek. I I noticed that you just joined. We listed you as a speaker um why don't we have who who from gays against groomers has not introduced themselves why don't you just there's michael
5: costa michael Michael, i
1: believe
0: is the only other person and yeah that's so
1: weird i couldn't hear a thing mario was saying it was just dead silent. so very Uh, strange but michael yeah michael is the last one of us in here
0: i believe all
6: right
4: hi yeah my name is michael i'm from new york i'm uh editor-in-chief and lead writer for gays against groomers um, I do things on the blog. I help out with writing for testimonies and school board speeches, and looking over legislation and stuff like that. Uh, basically, the, I'm coming from this of a from a place of I just think this gender ideology is bad for gay people. Uh, at, at its root, it's anti-gay, and I, you know, think that banning uh, the amputation of the healthy organs of minors, who 75% of which Research shows would probably just be gay, lesbian or bisexual adults is uh, just a new form of conversion therapy. I mean, we are seeing a bunch of detransitioners now who are, you know, coming into adulthood and they're realizing that they were just gay people who are either, you know, led to believe there was something that they weren't or just indoctrinated through gender ideology being perpetuated at school and kind of being forced on them in the classroom i just think it's a belief system that is completely antithetical to what gay rights and the gay rights movement fought for and stood for and uh, the fact that gender non-conforming children who don't adhere to gender stereotypes are being completely sterilized for life at 10 years old is right. probably the most medical scandal we've ever seen and um, i want put... to <laughs> sorry I like have... that
0: was great
4: yeah and, and we have been um i just think that and this is bad for gay people in every sense and the ideology at its core. Like they're, they're being taught in school that individuals, you know, to, 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 fe- to female people, sex is completely irrelevant. That your body is completely irrelevant to who you are in the world, what you, I quote, identify as, what you claim to be. And there's a lot of dangerous ideologies like hidden within it as well. And I just think it's really perverse and it's just meant to break boundaries. And I don't like that.
0: Well, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I will say, I I am not a gay person. However, what feels uh, it, this feels very much like um, who you are as a person, um, as as a gay man, or convert, you know, as, as someone who is a gay woman. It feels as though who you are has actually been hijacked, and um, I can't imagine from your perspective how that must feel because um, you're now able, or excuse me, you're now looked upon. Um, it, people, autom- I imagine people automatically make some type of judgment, preconceived idea, um, based on your sexuality, uh, that that's totally preconceived and false. I mean, you guys jump in on, on, I don't yes, know that's, 100%. Mm-hmm. that's Yeah,
3: exactly no, that's right. exactly
1: right. You know, we're, we're all being lumped into, uh, this disgusting ideology and agenda uh, harming children. And the the truth is, is that the majority of us really are not on board with all of this. You know, um, I always say, you know, w- when we were fighting for equal rights, uh, it was a just fight. You know, we, we just wanted to be seen and, and have the same um, rights as every other American in the country. And, and we won that battle. And I, in my eyes, I was like, okay, let's wrap, wrap it up, pack it up. Let's go back home and just live our lives and not bother anyone. You know, I never wanted to push anything on anyone. I just wanted to live my life. And, you know, us gay people, we're just like everyone else. Um, the majority of us that do not want to push this on children. So yeah, it's very upsetting. And we have skin in the game, you know, just as much as, um, maybe not as much, but right up there with the parents, you know, we, we are, this is definitely harming us as uh, gay people. Um, it's also harming trans people that really are opposed to this as well. I mean, the whole thing is just toxic, um, you know, and first and foremost, obviously it's harming children. And that's, that's what our fight is about is saving them. But I always say that our mission is kind of twofold, you know, and in the process, we also want to save ourselves <laughs> because if sure. our rights are, Get rolled back, it's going to be solely due to this, you know, this
0: push so, on children. So, um, right, and I think that's such an important point, Jamie. And before I, I answer that or respond to it, I also want to introduce Jan Jakelic. Jan, did you want to introduce yourself?
7: Uh, sure, um, I'm a senior editor with the Epoch Times, I host a show called American Thought Leaders, and I cover this general issue quite a bit. <laughs> I see a few people in the audience, I think, who may have, may have even been on the show, and Laura, Laura has as well. But one, in this whole realm, right, the thing, it, it's, it's very, very nice to meet you. I didn't catch the names of everybody who's in, in the accounts. I think I heard, I heard Michael. But um, it's this, I, I see a kind of massive backlash fomenting here. And I almost one, sometimes I wonder if it isn't something that's intentional, and I'm very very concerned about what that will look like because I think I think it could be terrible, right? And 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 it, frankly, you know, a lot of the it, it seems like the for example, you know, this you know the response to the to Riley Gaines recently that was filmed and is up, and you sort of and I I, I keep getting this, this sort of indication that a lot of these frontline activists are people who. Just have very some sort of very serious psychological issues that they're kind of allowed, given license to enact on whoever happens to be there, irrespective of their sexual orientation. Um, and and there's there's inadvertently going to be some kind of backlash to this, and I'm, I'm terribly worried about how this is all going to play out. It just it just it looks really bad.
1: Yeah, I want to say um, in response to that 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 is absolutely true. I mean, it's happening now. You know, in recent years. Uh, acceptance and tolerance of gays and lesbians and trans people is plummeting. You know, um, we we had finally achieved a good standing in society and seen as equal. And it feels like this this movement, uh, this push on kids is rolling everything back, everything that we fought for back um, decades. I mean, it's just wiping it all away, you know, and the backlash is happening and it's going to continue to grow. And we're very aware of that. Uh, And it's a huge concern of ours as well.
8: Yeah, I feel like these little gooners are messing everything up.
1: They are. (laughs) They are, you know. And and the thing is, is like, while this is coming and being done from in our name and our community's name uh, it's not very much a community anymore we don't really like them and they don't like us but you know for the sake of language uh, you know the the people doing this that are in our community are actually a fringe minority I truly believe that it's just that they are backed by every powerful institution in this country and honestly the Western world I mean they are the they are as vocal as they are because they're they're backed by the media they're backed by corporations they're backed Uh, by this administration they're back the medical industry I mean all those people pushing it and behind it are not gay themselves and they're not trans themselves you know so it's like we're being used as a shield uh, we're being used as scapegoats, really, and a, and a shield to attack kids. Um, and yeah, we're, we're, we're getting the brunt of it, you know, and, and I totally understand it. And I think that's why gays against groomers is so important also to just show like, make the public very aware that uh, there are many of us that uh, do not support what's happening. And we want to stop it just as much as everybody else, um, if not more so, um, right. because of that that backlash and and the opinion people are forming about all of us.
0: So I would love to get your response on what's happening legislatively. Uh, We're seeing states, obviously California always is the tip of the spear and leads the way for bad legislation. Um, So I can cite, you know, there are some bills here in the state of California. uh, I believe it's it's SB 107. Um, I'll have to look up that number. But you know, uh, Senator State Senator Scott Weiner has um, authored a bill that's been signed by uh, signed into law. <laughs> I see Michael laughing about that. That is his actual name, uh, Senator uh, State Senator Scott Weiner, and um, it's been signed into law. And it basically allows California to become a sanctuary state for uh, children being brought across state line. Uh, without the knowledge or consent of their parents, receiving gender affirming care, and in the process, if the parents at all fight back, they run the risk of actually losing custody of their children. And that's just one bill that we're still, that we're seeing there. And and I and I'll say that that Scott Weiner was so proud of this legislation. He's working with 19 other states to author similar legislation. So I would love to get. Um, your feedback and your response on this, because we're seeing this at all levels, whether it's fr- from um, an academic standpoint, you know, LAUSD, which I it depends on their, their student body uh, numbers, they vacillate, I imagine, between that and New York in terms of um, the how, how large the school district is. I, I believe right now they're the second largest school district in the country, and there is a written edict. Uh, that says that that teachers are to keep secret from parents uh, any child that wants to gender transition. Uh, to me, this is where we're starting to see the real danger.
2: Yeah. Um, so I'll I'll jump in on this for a second, um, and then I would love uh, for Mario uh, to uh, talk about it a little bit because he has he knows of uh, some stories out of California, but. We have a similar bill here in washington um two bills together uh senate bill uh 5599 which is essentially um it allows children who for whatever reason end up away from home running away uh trafficked away potentially um who then request gender affirming care to be hidden from their parents and uh, so their parents will not be notified once they're found and they also won't notify law enforcement. The only uh, government agency that will be aware of this would be the um, health and human services uh, youth division. And then the companion bill to that is House Bill 1469, which passed. It's just waiting for Governor Inslee to sign. And that's the shield law. And it essentially makes Washington a um, sanctuary state the same as as California. Um, and it's it's quite it's quite dangerous for a number of reasons because, um, you know, first and foremost, it opens the door to states um, fighting against each other. So uh, for people who aren't aware, um, states that outlaw gender-affirming care on minors, as they should, would then be in, in violation of Washington law. So if they tried to achieve retrieve a child in Washington or, say, California, the state wouldn't cooperate, and that's a violation of Article 4, Section 2, Clause 2 of the U.S. Constitution. However, it's not a self-executing clause, and so basically it's just a declaratory statement of a moral duty that one state has to another. It's basically, if you want to think about it, it's kind of decorum, you know, politeness, states respecting the autonomy of other states. And these kind of laws will obliterate that. You'll have red states not, you know, listening to blue state laws. And you'll have blue states not listening to red state laws. And it's really going to get ugly um, if people don't see how uh, how dangerous this can really get. Um, but, yeah, I'll turn it over to Mario because he has something to say on this, I'm sure.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, because in California, um, I have a couple of stories. And one actually just happened recently in my own backyard here in Lancaster. Um, a group of parents had been calling the cops and call, or the local sheriffs about their missing children. And one parent decided to, just had an inkling to go to the school to go look for their missing child. And they were surprised when they saw their child at the school get into the car with a stranger that they didn't recognize and drive off to someone else's house. When they called the authorities, the authorities pulled up That individual is a school counselor and had four other children and claimed protection saying that the children were gender nonconforming and they didn't, their parents wouldn't understand. Meanwhile, these parents are wondering where their children are, putting in kidnapping reports, and that parent or that counselor was never arrested. She lost her job, but she was never arrested, never really truly charged with anything because under the, say, all these new laws that are, trying to be passed in California, they're not going to do anything. The the D.A.s are not going to charge them because I'm technically Los Angeles County. Um, This is scary. Um, they killed SB, what is it, 1314 or 1413 right before it even went up to, to a vote. And all that was trying to do was to inform the parents that if your child decides that they want to be gender non-conforming or, you know, have some sort of gender dysphoria, the school has an obligation to inform the parents. We as, as, as an organization, we as people, as adults, should absolutely support that. Um, because many of the LGBT people in the circles that we all occupy have some story of their parents not understanding, um, and, and it would be great if the parents understood. And I think it's the school's role. I Me mean, as an individual, it's the school's role to educate these parents, um, because it's not the school's role to get involved and in between the parents. Um, and we see what happens when the school says, you know you got to do this. And the parent says, we don't have, we don't want to do that. Um, I had a parent in my other, in my community here, um, get one of those, uh, what is it, those surveys that all the kids are getting, and the parents said, hey, he went to the school and said, hey, what is this? My daughter doesn't feel comfortable filling out this survey. And the school responded, well, that wasn't for you to see. And when the parents said, well, this is my daughter that we're talking about, we we, we communicate, we don't have secrets from one another, um, this is not okay, and if this is the attitude you're going to have, then this is the last time you'll see my daughter, the school quipped back, well, sir, there's truancy laws, as if to say that we'll take your child If you don't agree with us and we're seeing this all up and down the state, Um, we're seeing schools um, funneling money inappropriately so that they can have these drag queen story hours. That's a new story that I've just uncovered. Um, They're trying to rename them as um, what is it royalty hour or something so that they can get around the, the drag queen name. There's they're doing everything they possibly can to hide their true intentions with what they're doing to these children.
0: It, yeah, it's it's unbelievable what they're doing to these kids. I think, um, what was it, AB nineteen forty, which I I believe was actually tabled in California, uh, was where they were trying to make school sites um, health health centers, um, and again, this this falls under this. Um, you know, they do this through the lens, what they, what they would say, the lens of benevolence and trying to help children. But we all know that it's very agenda-driven. And these are the mechanisms that they're using from a legal standpoint to uh, strip away parents' rights and to harm children. And I think there's one right now. I don't know the number off the top of my head. And, and Mario, perhaps you will, um, being in California. There's a there's a bill right now that they're considering that will allow um children to be taken away i'm going to read this i think it's it's ab uh 665 it says legislation that ostensibly is about extending mental health care to lower income uh, california use and is a provision that effectively would terminate parents rights Uh um, for kids so basically if your if your children are going and they're expressing that they're having some type of uh, gender confusion they can actually use that as a mechanism To take them and put them into a group home without the parents' consent.
3: Correct. Correct. Yeah, it's terrifying, and this is why on the ground is going to be so important because we have school boards who are going to want to testify, who are going to want to create resolutions against this. You know, saying that we parents have a right to know, and this is where our voices are going to be important. I think Michael. can speak about, he wants to create an archive of our descent, because we're all being thrown under the bus as a gay community. We're all being lumped in with these people who really want to bring down the system. They want to bring down this, this, what they call heteronormativity. It's been, it's been quipped, it's been uncovered that this is their goal. Um, Many of us in the, in the, in the groups, uh, in the group of, of Gays Against Groomers, we've been ostracized from our own community because we dare to challenge their orthodoxy. Um, and I, I just want to say, I, I got to go. Um, I have to go to work. Um, but I'll be <laughs> back in about 30, 40, 45 minutes.
0: All right, fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us. And Scarlett, um, I see that you're on. I know you're with Moms for Liberty. I invited you to speak. So uh, if you are able to accept that, that, that would be great. I know Dr. Kat Lindley also just joined us. Um, but yeah, this is an unbelievable topic, and it's one that I think parents are uh, aware of. I think we're becoming more and more aware of this. And but, but what I'm feeling is that parents think this is something that might be happening in either another state or another school system, or it's something that's in isolated isolated cases. And I, I don't think that parents are are really aware of the fact that not only is this happening, um, as I would say, a broad spectrum across all of academia, but it's it's one that again I can't stress enough. We're moving into this legislative territory, which um, just absolutely strips away parents' rights to even. Um, in any way challenge this, you know, something that a lot of people don't know, and, I'm, and I know um, Mario just left, but a lot of people don't realize that, that really for over the last two decades, in the state of California, uh, parents no longer have the right to access their children's medical records after the age of 12. And uh, that's been in effect for a couple of decades. A lot of people don't, don't realize that. I actually was unaware of that until I tried to go and get my daughter's medical records for a sporting event uh, and, then, and and was met with resistance. That And again, this is something that's been on the books. And they're, they're, they're authoring legislation and bills every single day that are stripping away parents' rights um, and authorizing school officials to ha- act in conjunction with the government to take your child out of your custody and do unbelievable things like, uh, Jamie, I know you were talking about it as Michael, I know you were talking about it. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about giving children a pharmaceutical intervention that has irreparable consequences. Um, and I would love for, for, for you guys to jump in on this and, and talk about it. I know, Kat, you're on. If you have any uh, feedback in terms of irreparable consequences from a medical standpoint with some of this uh, quote-unquote gender-affirming care where they're giving puberty blockers, obvious. I think it's very obvious when you uh, remove the reproductive organs of a the child, the, the, the long-term consequences.
1: Real quick, I just want to chime in. I have to hop off, but uh, I think that Alex and Michael will be able to stay. And there's actually a few others, um, a few others in here from GAG now. Uh, Judith. Well, anyways, I- I'll let I'll let the speakers talk. But thank you for having me, and and I look forward to more discussion.
0: In Absolutely, the future. Jamie. Thanks so much. And All again, right. I can't thank you enough for the work that you're doing. I'm so glad that you founded this organization. Oh, of course, and we're we're happy to assist,
1: you know, and just fight alongside every all of you. And right. we need you guys too. It takes every, it's going to take all of us, you know. But we Absolutely. will, we will win this. It, it seems bleak and crazy right now, but you know, I, I am hopeful that that we will destroy this agenda. But um, you know, the only question is how fast, that exactly. <laughs> it needs to be done fast because more kids are falling victim to this every day.
0: Exactly. All right. Take care thank you. Kat, I think you were going to jump in.
6: Uh, you know, for me, there are a couple issues with the transgender agenda. Um, from a medical standpoint, a child is not hormonally uh, mature enough to truly decide from biochemical level at that age, you know, what they are going to be their hormones, the estrogen, testosterone, there's always competition. And you know, like when you have a teenager i remember my son when he was 15 years old there was that age when his testosterone huge was i mean surge was so high like sometimes i was like looking his eyes i was like and it looks like i'm looking in the eyes of the devil because you can see that testosterone surge and what's happening so for physicians to uh, discuss with children and give them chemical and surgical uh, ways of uh changing their gender I feel is truly medical malpractice. That's number one. Number two, um, for me, I've spoken to this and I see Yann is on, uh, I think we touched maybe a little bit on it during the interview. If not, I know we've spoken privately about this. When it comes to totalitarian regimes, I always go back to this, because that's what I know and I recognize. If you confuse our children, so they don't know if they're a boy or a girl and they lose the identity of who they are. They become a unit and units are very easily controlled. And that's what happens in totalitarian regimes. You know, the one of the reasons there was whole symbolism of masking children and adults being uh, unmasked during those photos was all a ritual. It was a way of making our children compliant and having them follow a narrative. And uh, I'm a mom of five and I can tell you that one of my children, my uh, daughter and son are 11 months apart. They spend a lot of time playing together. uh, And that didn't mean that my son felt he's a girl or my daughter felt he's a boy. We need to truly let children be children and uh, stop sexualizing them and allowing for these different agendas to uh, really infect their lives.
0: I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Lindley, for those of you that don't, don't follow Dr. Kat Lindley, she's doing incredible work. I would suggest, um, following her and Kat, if you want to tell everyone how, how they can follow you because you're you a hundred percent right. This is truly about sexualization. Um, and I know, a, I, I, just recently did mm-hmm. a pod- I just recently did a podcast and, um, you know, I said there's a politician who shall remain nameless uh, for the sake of this conversation, but I think you guys will all know who the politician is. That that made the the, the comment that um, people that are that are drafting uh, legislative work that um, are that's very heavy in in gender ideology and. Stripping away parents' rights and sexualizing children, there's really no other way to um, to qualify that other than to say that they are pedophiles, and which is why I really appreciate the work that that Gays Against Groomers is doing for the simple fact that you guys, as I said at the beginning of of this Twitter Spaces event, who you are has been um, hijacked and. So, you know, your way of life, who you are, is being hijacked. You guys are now being portrayed as people that are interested in engaging in sexualizing and sexual activity with a minor, uh, which is really reprehensible.
2: Yeah, you're completely correct. Um, One thing to note about these types of laws – is that uh, states that are leading the charge on this on gender ideology and um, the trans agenda, uh, specifically in regards to children, is that they they often do legislative uh, bill dumps. I think Washington is in you know thousands of bills in a legislative session, and, it, and you get lost trying to keep track of all of them. Um, but to highlight one such example. Um, So SB 5599 in Washington, specifically in the language of the bill right away, the first thing it says essentially is that any person, any youth group or youth home registered or unregistered would be able to house a minor who's run away. Um, And so the first thing is any person and that's intentional. And it went through several um, attempts at um, being reworked, and they left that in on purpose. Um, their number one priority is making it as easy as possible for children to be on this conveyor belt of uh, confusion and then medicalization, uh, and ultimately, you know, anxiety and depression will follow. Um, it is really quite quite sad, but what it does to the to the gay community, and I have never really called it that. Uh, it never made sense to call it that, but for gay people, what this what this really does is it 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 makes us look incredibly bad. And mm-hmm. as a gay parent, um, it's extra alarming um, how aggressively they are trying to separate children from their parents. Um, and they they always say it's only it's only the the bad parents, right? It's only it's only the parents that are bigots uh, mm-hmm. or that are abusers that they're gonna target, and that's not true. Um, They don't want any parent knowing what's going on in the classroom. They don't want any parent um, being involved in in school as much as they say they want parent involvement, they do not. Um, So to any parent who's listening, um, the first thing you need to do is get your kids off social media, take away their technology (laughs) first and foremost, and then also be incredibly aware of what's going on in their school. Um, look at all their assignments. If they take a Chromebook home, make them pull up their account and look through it. I mean, you have to be really proactive. It's not easy. Uh, it's a pain in the butt. But you have to do it or you're just going to get lost in the weeds and it's going to be too late. Um, what I tell parents is when they're in states like mine, is that if you think your child is a, is at real risk for falling to this ideology, move. Mm-hmm. That's not a joke. Move. Uh, for your child's safety, if they're at risk to falling for this. If they're not, and you want to, to stay and fight, then I think you need to do it with your voice and your vote. Wow.
7: I want to uh, ask a quick question. And this is, I, I've never actually myself been able to speak with, I haven't had the opportunity to speak with one, someone who, you know, deeply believes that this is the right thing to do, right? to To give children the opportunity to be separated, that the state, I just... And I'm wondering if anyone, any of the speakers, have actually spoken with people who think that this is, that this is the right way. I mean, you know, they, this was actually like a platform in the Virginia gubernatorial election. You know, one of the candidate that lost basically said, you know, I think it's, you know, it's it's the schools that should have the, you know, the decision making over parents. I forget the exact the exact line, but, but this was the idea. Um, and I mean, there's a, there's a deep ideology at work here. That that that's one. So that's one thing. That's a question. The other part that strikes me, and talking about this sort of the totalitarian or nature of of the way this is, um, I guess of the ideology behind it. Um, the thing that strikes me about this whole process of transitioning, it start, whether it's the social part or already the the medical transitioning, it creates this sort of lifelong dependency on the system. So if someone wasn't dependent on the system already, now they're dependent on the system, um, especially obviously through the medical transitions. And that is, I mean, just just that in itself is a horrifying thought to me because you're basically creating a permanent, and then there's the, the, the even more horrifying part to me, which I frankly had a very difficult time accepting even, was that there's people out there who, you know, simply have a profit motive in this, because people who do get medically transitioned as a child will be a forever a client of this, you know, medical beh- beh- behemoth, which is being created to 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 service them, you know, with all sorts of challenges, whether it be they be they psychological or physiological and so forth, basically forever. And this is, frankly, horrifying to me. And I, and I still grasp, I still can't, Entirely fathom that there might be people involved in seeking to profit from this, but I've seen I've seen the paperwork that shows me that that exists.
0: Yeah, I I love that those questions and that um, insight, Jan. Thank you so much. Um, I I would I'm going to pass that over to someone from Gaze Against Groomers. I could because Jan, I personally have not <sighs> spoken to. Oops. I've personally not spoken to any um, anyone that has, in any way, uh, cited that this is something that they believe in, that they believe is healthy. Um, in some sense, I almost wonder if people that are are on board with this, or quote unquote, on board with it, are um, just simply going along with what what feels like is is the appropriate thing to do but they themselves don't necessarily agree with it so i would say someone from the gaze against groomers if you guys want to jump in on this one i think those are great questions yon thank you for asking
2: michael why don't you take that
4: yeah can you repeat the question like the actual the final question (laughs)
7: Um, there's th- the first question this was more of my, my my actual question it was you know do has anyone on the call on this uh, you know met people someone who deeply believes that it's the right thing to do to separate uh, children from parents and and you know essentially have them be sort of you know wards of the state or, or something like that and then the second sort of, the second question is there's this. You know, this ideology that's behind this, it has this totalitarian kind of bent where basically everybody that it, it creates, there's, there's a dependency created through the process of um, becoming trans, a dependency on the system. And then the third possible question, if you want to comment on it, is the people that see the profit motive in this and creating these lifelong kind of clients of the of the system, so to speak.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you know, trans activists are claiming that there's some supposed genocide of, quote, transgender children. And that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Most people have the common sense uh, to not want to chop a child up on an operating table. I mean, there's never been a population of children killing themselves in droves because they weren't able to access gender affirming care. And, you know, we have skin in the game, Jamie said. Well, yeah, we do, because this is just anti-gay abuse. We're the strongest voice because we tear open their claim that all gay people think the same and don't know what's actually going on. Gays and lesbians are in an abusive relationship with these TQI plus terrorists because trans radical activists are literally psychotic. We've, you know, passed facilitated all of these policies, and uh, they're even threatening to roll them back. We've been looking over and testifying for legislation just simply banning the com- common sense, uh, you know, Please don't sterilize children and please don't amputate their healthy body parts and remove their organs. And, you know, once gay people hear what's actually going on and who these people really are, they also start to peak. I mean, immediately, they're just sterilizing kids who would just grow up to be like us. And gender nonconformity in childhood being medicated is not something that is backed in any sort of science, any reliable data that isn't completely propagandized and it's being used against the people to kind of gaslight them and say that these children are going to kill themselves if they don't get surgeries and that's i mean absurd and i feel like they're just they they include this you know gay people in with this even though this was nothing for gay people but because they know that people the public has like a a, an understanding or a sympathy or empathy of, of, of us. If, if they're, they hear that we're somehow being harmed in any sort of way, then they're going to you know, react and say, oh, no, we should help them. But in actuality, everything about what they're doing is anti-gay at its core. They're just kind of erasing us. And they're also changing laws that change definitions of what gay is, what men are, what women are as a child and what is as an adult. All of this stuff breaks boundaries. And it's just... When people find out that they're just stereotyping gay people and that tomboys are being told that they can't be girls because they like to do boy things, they really start to, uh, you know, realize what's going on. There's no such thing as a trans kid, only a victim of social contagion and a bad parent.
0: Wow, that was, I completely agree. Thank you, Michael. Um... What's fascinating, though, is I, I I would love to know, and I, and I again, I appreciate the question, Yon. Michael, have you ever spoken to uh, someone that deeply believes that uh, children should have the ability to transition and to uh, be taken out of their their home if they are not um, allowed to transition? have you Have you actually spoken to people like this and kind of where their mindset is?
4: In real, life, mm-hmm. in real life, people a lot of people just don't really know what's going on and they hear this is pro-trans, this is anti-trans. So this is that's that's anti-trans. You shouldn't support that, or you shouldn't listen to that, or it's somehow genocidal and fascist. Meanwhile, what they're labeling as anti-trans is just anti sexualization of children. And anti something anti-trans is a bill that bans pornography from school libraries. Anti-trans is uh, saying that girls shouldn't be getting hurt in their school sports by having to play with boys. Anti-trans means parents should know if their 12-year-old daughter is getting undressed in a locker room at school in a locker room full of boys. And they're told that, oh, we're not going to tell your parents. You shouldn't tell your parents either. Mm-hmm. So, this is all what gender identity legislation does. And these are what's being labeled as transgender rights in the United States for transgender and non binary individuals. Mm-hmm. And no such individuals exist. You can't legislate civil rights based on a belief. And then it pretty much they're they're looking for complete destruction of every other group of people and i mean if your movement completely goes against the goals of gay rights against parental rights against women's rights against safety against common sense and reality then you know your movement is on the wrong side of history and i mean they know exactly who we are as well the people who are proposing these like now bills which are kind of a backlash to right-wingers or i mean we're nonpartisan passing our legislation it kind of has shown them for what they're actually looking for and that they're looking for all or nothing. They're not get, looking to concede or get uh accommodations or make any sort of reasonable agreements. They they just kind of want all or nothing, complete self-ID and control for everyone else's beliefs. It's messed up.
2: I so, do want to jump in for a second because I yeah. do actually I have met I have met and talked to people who do deeply believe this not terribly hard in Washington. Um, so to get to the crux of it, and then I want to, I hopefully want to see if we can check on some of these people who have their hands up. Um, the best way I can summarize the thought process for the people I've spoken to, um, is that they view this as something that is completely organic. They don't think that these types of materials being shown to children, uh, has influence. I'm not sure how they come to that conclusion based based on anything you introduce to a child has influence, but they really view this as only only children who are truly, you know, quote unquote, born in the wrong body are going to do this. Um, But the data doesn't doesn't support that, you know, nothing supports that viewpoint, but they believe it wholeheartedly. And so what that really equates to um, is their viewpoint with this is if a parent is going to try to talk a child out of um, their confusion or if a child, if a parent is going to get in the way, then, you know, they really think that that's abusive. And so they come from, you know, a lot of, some of these parents, I'm not going to say all, but mm-hmm. um, some of these parents or guardians come at it from perspective of they're, they are doing the right thing by making sure that that child is in a safe and supportive mm-hmm. atmosphere. And it's really misguided, um, you know, yeah. so that, that's the best way well, I would, I would yeah. describe it.
0: Right, and I appreciate that uh, feedback. And I would say that, and, and Tiffany Justice has just jumped on, so I'm going I'm to turn it over to her in just a moment. But what I would say that feels really nefarious is the collusion between the school and the government to intervene in the parent-child relationship. Um, so, for those of you that don't know Tiffany Justice, she is the co-founder of Moms for Liberty, and they are an organization much like Gays Against Groomers that are doing unbelievable work. She is an absolute powerhouse. Um, you've probably, if you if you do know Tiffany, you've probably seen her either on the news or um, on some other form of media. She's been all over doing incredible work. So. Tiffany, um, do you want to jump in uh, from a perspective of uh, the academic environment and, and what's happening with this radical gender ideology and, and stripping parents away from their children, really?
9: Yeah, and thank you. I, I'm just joining, so I don't know what's been shared before. So, Laura, help guide me a little bit. And so, you have, um, you want to hear about schools if there are any specific questions. I mean, what we're seeing increasingly is evidence and of the fact that we're in the middle of a cultural revolution in America and that the schools have become um, breeding grounds for social justice warriors, that the focus is not on academic achievement, but much more on um, children being politically literate uh, within um, really the foot soldiers at the progressive far left, which I believe are the teachers unions. And I know I say that and it's a lot, but I've been watching it happen. I I came from a space that I really wasn't that political or or that politically involved to running for school board and then being within the system and watching it um, and then watching COVID happen. And really, that just revealed a lot. Uh, of the layers like that, you know, we, Tina and I have said on school board, you got like a taste of what was happening in our public education system and how it was being used. Um, we, we could see the things that were happening. We were watching and then all of America kind of saw the failure. And now we're in this place where you can see the teachers unions and the parents are warring for control of Mm -hmm. the schools, but parents are the many and we need to fight and take the schools back. And so, um, but definitely, I mean, you have, Laura, you have, we have closed door conversations happening between adults and children in schools without the consent or knowledge of parents that is sending children down a path of, um, gender transition. And we know that right. it starts with the pronouns and the name and the acceptance and the love bombing. And then it becomes very difficult to find your way out. of. It.
0: Yeah.
9: It's terrifying. Um, also, happy birthday, Tiffany. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Happy yeah. G- Thank you.
0: I appreciate you joining. Uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we uh, get to a few? I know we've got some hands raised. Um, I think we've got Judith and uh, Gabrielle. Why don't we start with you, Judith? And then we'll jump over to you, Gabrielle. And we'll just we'll go through some of these questions.
8: Yeah. Hi. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm the director of communications with Gay Skin Groomers. And, um, I wanted to speak up because a couple of years ago I walked away from the democratic party, um, because their logic made no sense to me anymore. And, uh, the more I started digging, the more I realized that a lot of this has been going on for a long time, this sort of like twisting of logic, this twisting of justice. And to back up what Alex was saying, these people genuinely believe that they're they're being righteous they they think that being angry about this stuff and shutting down is that's their way of purporting their own justice that's their way of standing up for what they believe in and they operate from a place of emotions very much so and a lot of them don't realize how they've been weaponized and manipulated by the things that they're watching the things that are on their screens and some of them are even like weaponized the, the opposite way where they just they see us as the brainwashed ones everything is so inverted now that they look at us and just think oh we're the brainwashed ones and yet they're the ones that are consuming all of this stuff and kind of more or less losing their mind but again, they really think that taking kids away from their parents in this situation is helping them because they want to, in their minds, they're taking a child away from an abusive situation so that the child can be themselves. They want to give more power to kids um, and they're concerned about kids' safety, but in the wrong way. So this is the thing. is like we, we both care about the same things, but differently. And obviously one can be very dangerous and and they're taking this the schools is in particular they have a phrase called in loco parentis here in the US um and it means that the schools have like this legal obligation to kids um uh, you know if something happens with their parents and that so this possibility of them coming in between parents and kids has always been there and so now we're just mm-hmm. seeing it weaponized and um, it's it's just pretty horrifying. It's happened so quickly. So that's why I'm here. And that's why I feel obligated to speak up. Well, thank you um, for speaking out. And thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. Uh, Tiffany,
0: do you want to jump in? On yeah, that? I just like wanted to
9: say, I, I agree in loco parentis exists. And I think that, you know, people could say, well, it's a subjective term. But the truth is that the school should act in the best interest of the child as the parent would want them to act. And what the evidence shows us is that we have a school in Clay County in Florida where a child was put into a social gender transition program and the parents were not notified about it because the school knew they were Catholic. And they assumed that the parent wouldn't affirm the child's gender transition, so they didn't tell them. They saw that as a danger. And so we have this really interesting situation Parents have the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their children, and loco parentis does not mean anything other than what parents deem it to mean to be, which is you act in the best interest of my child as I want you to, and that's it. And so, you know, I think a lot of times people want to, like, be fuzzy about this. There is no fuzziness. Uh, These are inherent natural rights. The government does not give us these rights, and in order for them to take them away, it has to be a very, very, very high bar. And we need to hold to that. And
0: and Tiffany, I know you and I have privately spoken about this because there's this concept of of parental rights. And so people would say, well, is it a parent's right to um, take their child at four years old and remove their reproductive organs because they believe that that child at four has made the decision to transition into another gender? And I know, you know, I, I will state my position. My position is that uh, your, your parents' rights um, do not extend to physically harming another human being. And, and that, that's exactly what this is, right? We are, when, when you take a child and you are mutilating them, as much as if I went to my doctor and said, listen, I don't like my right arm, I'm going to need you to cut my right arm off. Um, no doctor no doctor in, in, in certainly I think in the United States, certainly in, probably in the global community, would engage in removing my right arm because I said i didn 't like my right arm without risk of losing their medical license and being criminally charged yeah,
9: I, I think the thing here, Laura, for us as an organization at Moms for Liberty has been that we felt that parents weren 't getting all of the real honest information. We were seeing reports that were saying that puberty blockers are reversible that 's not true. Um, And so we just felt like parents needed to get all of the information. And when we were making judgments, I really dug in on this issue. And I did a lot of research and spoke to a lot of people and then tried to work to bring people together around this issue. I'm so thankful for people like um, Jay Richards at the Heritage Foundation who has been such an amazing person to bring people together around this issue to try to problem solve and see our way forward and to really look at the evidence and to try to be compassionate and can include detransitioners into the conversation. And um, I think we've been trying to do that. But as we see and we follow what's happening across the world, we see that in Europe, things are changing. People, you know, people that were very invested in this are, 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 are making different decisions about how they handle children. Other things have come out as well about uh, the rate of autism uh, in, in girls at, at Tavistock. And that is concerning. And we're seeing the same thing in America. And so, you know, I, I've been proud of the work that's happened in Florida with Governor DeSantis and the Board of Medicine because they really have handled it in, in a, uh, a proper channel. That creates lasting change where you're not legislating on this issue, but you're really looking through the mechanism of the Board of Medicine at at evidence that we're seeing from around the the world. And they brought people in and had testimony and they have changed the standard of care for uh, gender dysphoria in Florida. And I'm very proud of that. Uh, And and I hope and we see there's legislation all over the country making that happen. I think we're going to look back at this time in horror for the things that are happening to these children Um, but you know, this wasn't, this was, I've said before, it would seem to be a difficult issue, but, uh, it really isn't because there are men and there are women and there's a small percentage of people that are intersex. But, um, the idea that, you know, men and women don't exist is just not something that mothers are going to accept.
6: Laura, I just want to make a comment on something you said about a parent. Like if you have a four-year-old child who wants to have transition and stuff like that, no one actually asked how many parents that actually encourage this, especially in younger, younger children, how many of them possibly could have Munchausen by proxy? Because I can tell you that Mm, a four-year-old child, you know, their imagination and stuff like that, they can think one day I'm this, I'm that. So to actually go to this transitioning uh, surgery for a child or medication, I really think that medical boards and physicians should look into doing an evaluation on parents as well because uh, you know putting your child through a transition like this at young age really at any age I, I think that's an adult decision it's not a child decision but we need to start asking that question too
0: you know i i would i think that's a very logical question cat uh, i think anyone that would take their child um especially children that are you know really still developing And start some type of medical intervention to um, intervene in the the process of of human development should absolutely be questioned. Absolutely. I think I I would agree with you 100% on that. Um, let's, let's take a question from Gabrielle and then, um, we'll, I know Gabrielle, you've been patiently waiting and then we'll get on. Tiffany, I know you messaged me. I know you can't hear. Sometimes we have these technical difficulties with this space. Um, if you drop off and try and rejoin, it might allow you to hear the rest of the speakers. I
9: might drop off and have dinner with my family for my birthday. So, I wanted to thank you. I just want to say something, Laura. Early on when Unity Project was starting, you have been such a good collaborator bringing people together. Um, You've always made me feel welcome, uh, even when we were a young organization. And I just think if you're not following Unity Project, you need to. Laura is a a great person that um, is a good connector. And we need as many people as we can get in this fight with us at all different levels. So... um, you know, Laura, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak tonight. I just really appreciate your friendship and standing with you in this fight. Absolutely,
0: and I, and I feel exactly the same. And I will say anyone that's not following Moms for Liberty, you need to go out and, and get behind them because the work they're doing is going to help save this country. So thank you on your birthday for joining us, Tiffany. Please go and have a wonderful birthday celebration. So Gabrielle, Um, If you want to take yourself off mute, I'd love to hear your question. Um,
10: Thank you. I was actually going to answer Jan's question. Um, um, Hi, Jan. Um, So my daughter was socially transitioned at school through the SEL program, and I created a program to help her successfully desist. That program is now being used all over the world to help their children desist. Um, I also coach parents if they need further help, Um, um, and you can connect with me through my website at affirmareality.com. But while I was in the process of, of deprogramming my daughter, I was on a podcast with Monica Matthews. And if you can find that podcast, I might be able to find that podcast, you will hear from an actual parent whose daughter had medically transitioned at 15. And you will hear him discuss how he how they went through the process they went through a year of therapy and how much wonderful she is because she's so popular now that she has uh, done all of the medical transitioning um, listening to him it was it was really apparent to me that this this was, Ba- basically, just mi- just bad information and and medical malpractice from doctors, um, telling telling parents that if they don't do this, you know, giving them that false dichotomy that if they don't do this, their children are going to commit suicide, which is you know that was precisely the reason why they uh, uh, took Abigail Martinez's daughter out of the home um, in California in after they did that while she was in foster care, she subsequently uh, committed suicide by stepping in front of a train about three years after she was removed from her parents' house. I did have to flee from Nevada because I feared the same thing was going to happen to my daughter if I did not comply with the um, social transition uh, plan that that the school had through the SEL program. But the parent that we spoke with in that podcast, the thing that struck me as the 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 craziest is that you know if a if a child is having some sort of trauma that causes them to disassociate or disembodied get become disembodied they they decided to give the child some sort of therapy and the therapy only lasted for a year, and if you've ever if you've ever been through any kind of trauma therapy or trauma counseling, um, that isn't anywhere near sufficient to even come to grips with a lot of the things that happen to you. In, if you've suffered some sort of sexual assault or some sort of trauma uh, uh, in your life, um, so that was the thing that just struck me as insane that six months to a year is, you know, a um, an acceptable standard. I was in Austin a couple of weeks ago uh, when they were uh, discussing HB 16, uh, 1686 to make it illegal to medically transition children under 18 and listening to some of the doctors talk about the therapy that is is done it's not therapy to find out what the problem is it's therapy to affirm affirm the belief and that may or may not be what the child really even believes I find lawyers for detransitioners the oldest lawyer that I found a detransitioner for was 53 years old and he had transitioned because he was having a midlife crisis and he was convinced by his doctor that he was a woman. It's it's so much more perverse than I think most people realize, even people in it. Because when you talk to the people who who medicalize as adults, you hear them talk about how they were bullied, um, coerced, manipulated into this. So how in the world is a child going to be able to resist that, and how in the world is a parent going to be able to resist it when they're being told that if they don't do this, then they are essentially killing their children?
0: Wow, Gabrielle, yeah. um, your journey is unbelievable. Sorry, Jan. go ahead, and then and then Gabrielle, I'd love to connect with you outside of this.
7: Absolutely. No, I was just gonna say that I've heard this this many times uh, from 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 parents uh, who have been told this and from, you know, people in the field and so forth that the standard line, where the moment that a child says that they have some gender confusion or some kind of something, basically, they believe they're somehow different than what, than, than the body they were in, so to speak. Um, then the response to that is, you know, affirm, affirm, affirm. But the parents are then told that your child, it's not that they may in many cases they might commit suicide, but they will commit suicide. And this is incredibly obviously massively frightening to any parent. And a lot of parents basically agree in a lot of cases or agreed from people I've spoken with to actually doing to 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 you know the social transitioning. At the beginning, simply because they were told this, and with, with such strong authority from the you know the, the medical professional involved, and that there there's absolutely no supporting evidence for that claim. It just it's it's simply false. It's called gender dysphoria. Sorry, what was that? It's called gender dysphoria.
10: Mm-hmm. I think that that is a misnomer, um, personally. Um, Because when I talk to detransitioners, when I talk to people who come to me to hire lawyers for them, they never experienced gender dysphoria. And the mothers that I talk to who I have helped, helped parent their children into desistance, they also have said that their children never experienced gender dysphoria. My daughter never experienced gender dysphoria.
0: So, so, um, it seems to me like, again, like if you have a, a young child, maybe kindergarten age goes to school and um, they're starting to see all of these things that are happening in their classroom that are, that's, that's washing away any form of gender. And then they, their, their teachers are now questioning and asking them, Hey, you know, how do you feel? Do you think that you're a boy? Do you think that you're a girl? And then uh, they now see someone who is in a position of authority and and that person that's in a position of authority is driving them down a path and they become confused, right? It's Is that what you guys um, are also uh, experiencing with? It? am I articulating that correctly, Alex?
2: Uh, yeah, you are. Um, absolutely. So kind of like what we were what we were kind of discussing is there's a very big difference between the normal, you know, what happens with adolescence where everyone gets uncomfortable in their body that is universal everyone experiences it that's not the same thing um, what they're doing is they're trying to label essentially they're trying to say puberty right is um is gender dysphoria and they're doing this they're convincing kids of this because of the way they teach it so if you look at some of your kids materials like i've, I've had a chance to look over some when you look at how they explain what gender dysphoria is it's very, very dumbed down, um, inarticulate nonsense. Things like, oh, if you're a girl and you like blue and you like construction trucks and you like to be sporty, well, maybe that's because you're a boy. And, and they really do say it in those types of very straightforward, uh, dumbed down language. And so when you present that to children, it's incredibly confusing because, you know, what you're really talking about here are, you know, personality types, you know, you have very effeminate men you have very masculine women the, it's on a spectrum as far as your personality where where do you fall in terms of uh how agreeable versus non-agreeable are you and then you have things like uh just general preference and they're they're trying to put it's it's amazing where we went from in the in the gay mu- uh, movement talking about you know we don't want to be in boxes. To everyone must have a box, and if you don't fit in the box, we're gonna put you in one ourselves. It's really kind of crazy, right? Um, but yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what's happening. Right. Um, is there there kids that used to express gender dysphoria at a young age were rare, mm-hmm. and it was usually very very aggressively asserted. But that changes when you start introducing the idea to them. That's when the whole thing changes. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it seems mm-hmm. to. That- me like it again um it's you have this person that's in a position of authority um that's driving it that certainly adds a another uh layer of complexity to this jan i think you had a a, you were going to jump in there
7: right um i just wanted to catch who it was that was just speaking right now this was the most fascinating thing that you said essentially they're saying that puberty is gender dysphoria which is just shook me to the core um and you know, maybe we can connect afterwards. But um, the other thing is there was, in in one of the uh, episodes I did with uh, Miriam Grossman, um, we talked about um, how in the previous diagnostics and statistical manual to the one where gender uh, uh, dysphoria was introduced, this whole concept was called gender identity disorder. Um, and it and the thing with gender identity disorder it, it was always this kind of strong and persistent identification you know it doesn't matter you know basically it's something that 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 wouldn't wouldn't change over time right over over quite a significant amount of time whereas with this new gen, the new gender dyspho- dysphoria approach that idea that it was something that needed to be strong and persistent, just kind of evaporated and, you know, but ostensibly uh, intentionally, because activists were involved in creating that des- new designation. That's how I understand it. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and Jan, I believe that was Alex. So uh, I'll make sure that I connect you guys outside of this. I'll also connect you with, with Jamie, who's the founder of Gaze Against Groomers. We've done a, a few podcasts with them and they're fantastic. Um, we, we are, we have about seven minutes left and I'd like to try and get to some of the remaining questions. I know, uh, courage is a habit. You've had your hand up for a while and, and I hope you're saying your name right. Jess, you've also had your hand up. So, um, and Judith and Michael, feel free to jump in. Um, I know you guys have your hands up, but, but feel free to jump in on, on any, you know, if you have a question or if you have a response to anyone that's sits speaking, um, why don't we go ahead, Courage, I see you took your uh, self off mute. Go ahead and jump in. Ask your
5: question. Hello, good evening. Thank you for letting me uh, speak for a few minutes. Um, I kind of wanted to give some things to parents um, around this topic. So my organization focuses uh, primarily on issues in K through 12. So that's what we do. Um, that's what we look into. That's what we make tools for the average parent and legislators for. And so I just wanted to kind of give you some uh, just some facts that every parent can use because there's a lot of emotional blackmail that goes on in schools. And then I want to kind of tell everybody where this is actually coming from in schools and then give a couple of tools that parents can take and print out and use. So uh, historically, 0.003%, okay? 003% of girls had gender dysphoria. That translates to one in 30,000. In 2022, one in 167 girls uh, identify as transgender. That's what a social contagion looks like. Um, in 2016 to 2019, there was a 389% explosion in minors. Minors being defined as uh, 12 to 16 getting double mastectomies. So this is not gender dysphoria. This is not the transsexuals uh, that you hear about that are you know 50, 40, 56 years old. This is a social contagion. The way it's coming into schools, while everybody's correct, it's in the classrooms. You see the flags, teachers. But primarily, the source of this is coming into the schools through a mental health Trojan horse called social-emotional learning. And social-emotional learning is disguised as mental health, but it is a full school transformation. This is why the schools have been transformed. So when people talk about things like critical race theory, critical pedagogy, and then now just transgender ideology, they're not separate things. They're coming through this mental health program. Now, obviously, with the time we have left, I'm not going to get into the details of that. You, you know, we have tools for that. We have some things for that on, on our site. But the main culprit, the people who are the biggest purveyors in the schools are school counselors and social workers. They are the ones driving the mental health uh, uh, programs and the culture of the school. And now the culture of the school is simply they are redefining two words. And those two words are safe and abuse, because if you redefine words, you don't have to change the laws. They are taking advantage of exist- that laws that have been in existence for a long time and for, right, for the right reasons of being able to separate a child from a parent if the parent are abusing them, which is very, it was a small minority. So today they've expanded the word safe and abuse. And so I think some of you have mentioned the laws that are going through. There's, To our knowledge, there's thousands of schools right now with uh, official policies that say that school counselors and social workers can separate the parents from the children or children from parents if they're deemed unsafe and abusive. And all that means is the parents do not succumb to the transgender cult and the delusions. They don't call them the right pronouns. So if I burn my son with cigarettes, uh, they treat me the same as if I don't want to call him a her. Okay, So that's, that's what it is. Um, I was just in Maine helping them fight their... Uh, chapter 117 which is their version of of this so the idea you know so Jan, to answer his question and uh nice to see you again Jan. um the i we have talked to many people who believe this is the right way and they're mostly school counselors and social workers they are trained through uh the american school counselor association and we did a big expose on them last summer we've been been exposing them all year we went to their conference. We pulled their uh, webinars. We pulled their training materials. So they are trained. The school counselors. There's no more guidance counselors. The ones that we all knew growing up. We saw once every four years in our high school. They're they're gone. This is a this is why there's so much money being put into mental health um, because they're flooding your schools with school counselors and social workers under the guise of social emotional learning. And so uh, these counselors are pushing this onto your children, and they're working to separate them, the parents, by saying they're, not, they're unsafe and then they're abusive. And so they're taking advantage of the existing laws. So uh, then the the fortunate, the fortunate byproduct for them is that this is a money-making scheme. But the ultimate, the ultimate goal, because people ask us this all the time every day, why are they doing this? They're doing this to simply separate their children from their families because they want to create revolutionists. In every revolution, they have to create it. Now, you see it now with the transgender cult. You see it with the marching and the, what you're seeing, that's the goal. Sexualizing the kid, is sim- their children, is simply the process. The goal is to separate the children from the family. And this is the Marxist ideology. This is the Red Guard ideology. And we're seeing it now. So I'm gonna stop talking here. So what I'm gonna do is I wanna link three tools. The first tool is Behind Closed Doors, which is our expose of school counselors. Okay, so everybody can watch their own videos that they put out so you understand what they're about. Um, I want to put out a second tool called Safety and Inclusion Express, which shows you there's no such thing as a social transition. Okay, there's no such thing as a social transition. Everything's a medical transition. The pronoun enforcement is just the first step to it. The moment you succumb to pronouns, you will, it will be very difficult to get your child out of that cult. Uh, so so we want to teach you how to fight that. We have a, a, a opt-out form at the end of that. Um, and then the third and last tool is something called stranger danger. Uh, we give you four strategies that every parent can modify and use based on their family values and the age of the child um, because there are ways you can help your child protect themselves if you can't pull them from public schools. I threw a lot at you guys. I'm sorry. Wow. Uh, um, but...
0: tell, I'm sorry. Tell me what your name is.
5: My name is Alvin Louie.
0: Uh, so great to meet you thank you for joining you. this Twitter spaces honestly you this is incredible information um, I sent you a, a message I'd love to connect with you to figure out how we can help support what you're doing it sounds like we're, we're very much aligned and uh, that was great information thank you very much thank,
5: thank you I love to connect
7: why don't we why don't we attach those to the top of this uh, space if you put if you're not sure how to do it you can just retweet them in your account and I'll put them up
5: I got it. it. Maybe a host.
7: Maybe a host needs to do it. I can't remember.
5: No, I got it. I'll put it in the uh, the thread so that people afterwards can see it, and then I'll also put it in the nest. I'll put it right now. Thank you.
0: It's powerful information, and I agree with you. Thank you for the work that you're doing, Um, uh, Jess. And I hope I'm saying your name correctly. I'd love to hear your question, and then um, we'll end it out with Michael and Judith. Um, So go ahead, Jess.
11: Hi, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for this group. Um, I'm in, you know, when I was growing up, I, I don't know if this would be considered gender dysphoria or not. You know, I, I remember feeling punished for being a woman. And I, it was related to abuse for me. And, I, you know, it's taken some time. But it's with the birth of my son, honestly, and I'm 30 now, that I can say I'm in, you know, the you know, I feel the most confident about being a woman, and it took time. And and if I was a kid in this system, I would have absolutely been a statistic. And it's terrifying. Second question, I'm trying to be quick because I know we're short on time. Um, How do we hold these social workers in New York accountable? My son is two. My ex, before we broke up about a year ago, alleges to me, and I'm going to curse to quote him, he says to me, you think I fuck kids, I am what I am. So he alleges that. And it's a he said, she said case and God willing so far in the system, we know we've had supervised visits and so far, you know, he signed over full custody, which is great, but he could still get, I have a two year order of protection against my ex and he could still get unsupervised visitation. The social worker in New York is gaslighting me now. She is, she was shaming me for even asking about supervised visits. She's like, Oh, I think he's ready to do unsupervised. She makes comments to me not to complain to my lawyer, has the nephew of my ex attend a supervised visit. So super inappropriate without getting permission. And I had witnessed inappropriate behavior. And then she just rolls her eyes at me, violates order protection. And then she, she just literally to my face denies anything like, that I, like why would I go pay my lawyer $400 an hour to complain about what she did? I don't know how to hold this woman accountable. And I'm terrified because my son is two he can't speak. The fact that New York would allow unsupervised visits given the, you know, the situation is terrifying. And I'm just in no other option other than to trust God and, and you know, and to keep doing what I'm doing. And luckily she removed herself because... I did complain to my lawyer and she, you know, starts yelling at me and says, Oh, I could lose my job because of you. But I'm like, how do I take this step further? So you actually do, because the last few visits my son's been crying during visitation with you. And she just, she has several other terrible reviews. And I'm like, what part of him alleging he's a pedophile does not freak you out. Right. You know, so if anybody here, I mean, you guys are really knowledgeable. If anybody here has any you know, idea of what I can do or how I could report her, um, you know i'm all ears yeah um,
0: you know first of all i'm Jess. i want to just say it sounds like um you are an incredibly strong uh, woman and trying to protect <laughs> you. your child is always um something that's important and i'm sorry to hear that you're going through this uh you know i and i can hear the pain in your voice as a mother myself it's it's the the single most important job you will ever have and it's and i've always said you'll never know fear and, and love the way you do it until you become a parent, really. like, like Those are the two emotions. Um, we have worked with a woman. Her name is Bobby Ann uh, Flower Cox, I believe. She's an attorney okay. that is doing incredible work in the state of New York. And, and I'll just say it's unfortunate because what's happened, Child Protective Services, social work has become weaponized. It's become a tool that is used against parents. It's not a tool to protect children. And I'll cite a few examples as it relates to the vaccines, for example. Um, I've spoken to several parents that have opted not to vaccinate their children. They end up taking their children to a hospital for some type of emergent situation. When the hospital staff finds out that the children are not vaccinated, they threaten to call Child Protective Services. I've also heard, uh, again, we're seeing it in states like California, where children who want to, uh, you know, gender transition, if the parents are not on board, we're seeing child protective services intervene and actually um, take kids away from from their parents. Okay. So, uh, you know, outside of saying, um, you know, I would say reach out to someone like Bobby, uh, Bobby Ann Flower Cox is her full okay. name, uh, who is doing incredible work. Um, I would say, I, I don't know that I have any more words of wisdom other than to say, continue to, to stay and strong, continue to like
11: I mean, I looked at her, her reviews okay. on Google, like where would be the best place? Because if they're being, you know, conditioned, I mean, is Google the best place? Cause she has terrible reviews by several parents.
0: No, 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 no. You need to, and, and, and I actually, I'm going to ask Kat to jump in on this, but, but I have personally reported a psychologist, um, and you you actually report them to their state board okay um for against their license you, you okay. need to do more than just just report them to google okay
6: and i agree the best way of reporting someone is to their governing bodies and the agency itself even if they don't uh, necessarily do anything there needs to be a complaint on file
0: yeah Thank you for asking your question. Again, hang in there. I can hear the pain in your voice. And um, sadly, you're not alone in this. There are a lot of parents across the entire country that are going through this in some iteration. So stay strong and continue to be a mother that is protecting your child, which is the most important thing I believe that you can do. Uh, Well, let's close it out. Michael and then Judith.
4: Yeah, just regarding gender identity and dysphoria and people were kind of talking about like, you know, oh, this is a manufactured thing, this is a social thing, this is an ideological thing. Well, it's definitely definitely an ideological thing. It's a belief. The trans cult is a sadistic and abusive, just absolute circus of demented medical malpractice. It would make Mengele blush. Transgender rights on the basis of gender identity and <clears throat> Uh, sex characteristics, which is TQI plus. None of these words or letters may make any sense or mean anything. Trans manipulates and colonizes the hard-earned rights of everybody else. And this includes gay people, parents, women, athletes, teachers. It expects everybody else to play along or else because they're also trying to legislate these pronoun mandates. Pronoun mandates were uh, never—it was never about just being polite and using preferred pronouns. It was always about being forced to affirm the pronouns of a child and affirm their belief that they uh, have a so-called gender identity that doesn't match up with their biological sex. In my state, this includes non-binary, gender fluid, gender flux, agender, bigender, gender gender neutral. That's what transgender is. It's just putting gender ideology, what we refer to as gender ideology, into the law. And they're trying to uh, span that across all civil rights protections. It's the belief that it's people who identify as something which they are not, according to their sex, are transgender. And it includes a variety of things that just simply are not... Uh, Cemented in material reality whatsoever. Gender dysphoria is the term that's classically used to describe individuals that experience perceived distress due to the fact that they identify as something which they're not according to their sex, but that's also because they're being told at school that that they can be something which they aren't according to their sex. Everybody is male or female. Every action that a male person takes is a male action. There's nothing female about males. It's completely separate. When uh, asked to define sex in laws like Title IX that are kind of going mainstream right now in the media, they uh, included in sex, they include sex stereotypes, which is like intersex, which is completely mischaracterized, uh, gender identity and uh, sex characteristics. When asked to define sex, they pretty much said that, yeah, well, it's always referred to male and female, but it's a very complex thing. So we're just not going to define it. And they didn't. They also included protected groups of people like queer and non-binary and agender. Homosexual was there, but there was no definition of homosexual because there was no definition of sex either. They're using uh, you know, sex-based protections to insert gender identity and instill their ideology in every facet of life. They hate us because we tell them no and they're losing. They specifically target everybody who doesn't agree with them. And the reason why is because... They've been hunting after gays against groomers because we speak the truth. This is a cult. It revolves around the removal of body parts and the desexing of children. It preys on children who feel like they don't fit in. They're just medicalizing gender nonconformity and being an outcast. It's the new email. But instead of, you know, nose piercings, it's hysterectomies. They're telling people that... You know, if you don't affirm a child's gender identity, then that's considered sex harassment. And transgender children have a civil right to have their identity respected and have pornographic books in the library to teach them about their identities. You're if you don't believe this and you're to be a parent because you don't believe in their ideology. It is a cult. And you know, Marcy Bowers, Laura Edwards Leeper, the people at WPath, the same medical institutions that they cite literally came forward and said that there is no evidence that these kids are gonna die. It is a new form of conversion therapy. We've helped get it outlawed in five states. And the thing is, this is global. Finland, France, England, Netherlands, Sweden, Ireland, Switzerland—they've all been sounding the alarms about what's going on. And the Dutch people even are warning against socially transitioning a child, because, like Courage said, it's all about it starts with pronouns. Because when you start with pronouns, you start with quote social transition at school, but that just leads to a persistence in their gender identity, which in the past. When not like you know medically transitioned or socially transitioned, most of them just grew up to be LGB adults, and this leads du- leads directly to blockers. So people can't go; people aren't giving, being given the chance to go through their own puberty and to grow out of their issues. They're It's just being blocked and medicalized for life, putting on a conveyor belt to be a cash cow. Uh, this leads to hormones and it leads to surgery. It's a one way trip to just weak bones, misery, and a body plagued with mastectomy scars and regret. It's a direct attack on gay people. And I think that my approach is that I identify as a radical because I want to get things done. We've gotten, you know, covered more ground than... I ever thought we would in eight months. And I mean, clutching your pearls and saying "Gasp! what about the children isn't going to do anything. My my whole thing is just about taking action and being about offense. The idea that men and women don't exist isn't something that gay people are going to accept either, along with parents and gay parents included. The whole point of being gay is that we're gay and lesbian adults, gay and lesbian, male and female, men and women. There's only two. The red states have been the battleground for passing legislation, but I want wall-to-wall legislation in the federal government outlaw- outlawing the, mutilization, the mutilation of minors. I think that this is just bad for gay people in the long run. This is bad for parents in the long run, bad for children in the long run, and this is going to be something that's going to require medical care for detransitioners as well. And I've seen that there are states that are instilling that now to help detransition people kind of get their body back and get healthy again. Um, I appreciate you having me tonight, though. Thanks. I know I talk a lot. I just have a lot of opinions and... Uh, I hope I, Michael, that's
0: amazing. Honestly, no, I, I thank you so much for your contribution. Um, it's inspiring and, um, I'm grateful for people like you that are doing the hard work because I do believe that there are so many people, um, in this country that believe what you believe, but are not able to, for many reasons to have the platform, have the voice that you do. So, um, no continue the work that you're doing i think it's phenomenal and it's and again it's going to save
8: this country um judith did you have a question or a comment and then i'd like to to close us out honestly i just wanted to give some last minute advice to parents because uh, a lot of this is coming through social media and forums online reddit is a big one enabling minors access to hrt illegally like sometimes using cryptocurrency and pointing them you know, in directions of how to do this themselves without parents knowing. So like keep an eye on your kids and, you know, try to be compassionate, but, you know, set some firm boundaries. For example, binding is an incredibly harmful gateway behavior. It, It can be damaging to developing tissues. It's, it's not good. So just like I said, keep an eye on your kids, get, get loud, give these school boards a problem, you know, like, make it known that they're giving you a, giving you trouble that that they're trying to get in between you and your kids this isn't okay we have to speak up
0: well I want to say thank you to everyone that has joined this evening and especially to the panelists um, that have been speaking out about this gays against groomers yawn cat um, moms for liberty courage is a habit uh, everyone that has been speaking about this you guys are doing. Uh, what I consider to be the single most important thing you will do as a human being, which is to protect your children. And, um, and And I don't say that lightly. I've always said the most important thing that I will ever do is be a mother. I could be a politician. I could be a CEO. I could be a professional athlete. And all of that would pale in comparison to being a mother. It is the most sacred right uh, that we have natural. From all of us at the Unity Project, thank you for listening to today's podcast. We hope to continue producing content that amplifies voices, strategies, and resources. Please keep in mind that the Unity Project is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that relies on the contributions of our generous supporters to fuel the work we do in this movement. If you value our efforts, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution today by visiting our website at www.unityproject.com and clicking the Donate button. We very much appreciate your continued support and confidence, without which our work wouldn't be possible.